Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. We are continuing a series tonight that we started last week called Seeds. Um, And the premise of this series is that God wants to take uh, little things in our life and turn them into big things. He wants to take a small thing like a seed and multiply it and use it in incredible ways for his glory. And there are many of us that look at ourselves and we go, man, who am I? I'm not anybody. I don't have an importance. I don't have value. I don't have a platform. Um, I don't have talent. I'm just this or I'm just that. But at the end of the day, no matter how small we might feel like we are, there is great capacity and great potential within us because God has placed it there. Um, and so we've started talking about this, uh, basically the, the metaphor of a tree in our spiritual life. And the tree compared to our, our spiritual life as a church as well. And what does that look like and what does that mean? So last week we talked about roots, that our roots are our beliefs, that our, our beliefs are what anchor us in place. That's where we, um, that's where we, uh, grow and develop that when we're rooted in Jesus, that's how life happens in us. That's how we develop and grow and, and, and grow in the right direction. And if we aren't rooted in the right place, our growth will always be stunted. So we talked through that a little bit last week. This week, we're going to talk about our branches. Um, branches are pretty simple. Really, they grow off of the trunk of a tree, right? We all see branches. Uh, you notice branches when they're hanging down on your roof or when they blow off in a storm. But we notice them especially around here in the fall when the leaves change colors. We see it um, when, when they begin to bloom in the, in the spring. We see it. But sometimes we don't pay a lot of attention to branches. But branches are really important because uh, the branch functions specifically to give life to the tree. Now, one of the things it does is... Th- the branch functions as, um, as a life giver because the leaves are resident on the branches and the branch's job is to stretch out as far as it can, to reach out as far as it can so it can maximize its exposure to sunlight because if it maximizes its exposure to sunlight, it's going to give it the best chance at life. Because when it's exposed to sunlight, that's when, um, that's when photosynthesis happens. That's when chlorophyll is produced. That's when life happens in the tree. And so a tree's branches are very, very important to help it have life, to help it grow, to help it develop. Um, and if you've ever seen, once in a while you'll see uh, certain trees that they don't branch and that the leaves are resident on the trunk of the tree. And typically these are trees that don't grow very big because they don't, they're not exposed to as much sunlight. So the branches are really important on a number of levels, but primarily to help it achieve life. Um, It's interesting, in in John chapter 15, um, we won't spend a lot of time in this passage. We'll actually come back to it here in a couple of weeks. But in John chapter 15, Jesus is talking and he says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Um, And when we think of vine, it's probably a little bit of a misnomer. Because when I think of a vine, I think of like a weed that grows up a tree or maybe up a trellis, a lattice, something like that, that 
It's like, okay, you just pull the weed out. But that's not really what Jesus was talking about. In fact, um, if you look, uh, we talked a little bit last week about the olive tree, and Jesus was compared uh, several times to an olive tree, or the house of David was compared to an olive tree, and that it's cut off, and that the sprouts come up. And this is the connotation, that the sprout has come up, that Jesus is the true vine, and that the branches come up off the sprout. And that's what Jesus is talking about or referring to. So what he's saying is, I am the trunk, and you have life because of me, basically. Uh, that You are connected to me. And we used this word abide a few weeks ago, and I love it, but we won't get into it again today. Uh, but he says, if you abide in me, you're going to bear much fruit. And he makes this really incredible statement. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So apart from Christ, there is nothing we can produce in our life that has any true value, any lasting impact. Just like if we cut a branch off of a tree, the branch couldn't produce fruit, couldn't produce life. It has to be connected to the tree in order to produce life, in order for it to, to produce anything of significant value. In Romans chapter 11, um, the writer of Romans is talking to this mixed audience, Jews and Gentiles, and trying to get them to relate and get along. And um, he's talking about how the, the Jews were the chosen people of the Lord, but the Gentiles were grafted in, um, and that neither one of those parties should look down on the other for their role or where they're at. And he says this, he says, if the dough offered as first fruit is holy, so is the whole lump. And then he goes on, this makes it a little clear. He says, if the root is holy, so are the branches. And so what, what we see here is, what he's saying is, if, if someone is grafted into the tree of Christ, you can't say it's unholy. Well, I don't like the way they dress. Well, if they're grafted in, if Christ is holy, they are holy. That's what he's trying to say. If they're Jewish or Gentile, it doesn't make any difference. If they're grafted in, they're holy because God's holy or because Jesus is holy. So what he's saying is the root influences the branches. And what we see here, we talked about this a little last week, our belief system is a catalyst for our actions. If you want to know what you believe, look at what you do because what you do reveals what you believe. So um, again, it doesn't matter what you say you believe, what you do reveals what you believe. Um, and we talked about that some last week. We won't rehash the whole thing. At the end of the day, our spiritual walk with Christ, we can say whatever we want, but our actions reveal what we believe. We can say that Jesus is the center of our world, but if our actions don't reflect that, then our words are meaningless. I read you this quote last week, and I wanted to read it again. It's just powerful. It's from the book Jesus Manifesto by Frank Viola and Leonard Sweet, and it says this. So for Christians, our first task is to know Jesus, and out of that knowing, we will come to love, adore, proclaim, and manifest him. So all these actions are born out of this belief and this conviction that Jesus is worth knowing, that he is our top pursuit in life. And when we believe that, every other action in our life begins to shift because our, our branches are connected to our roots. Our actions are connected to our beliefs. I read you a verse from John 15, 5. Let me go back up to John 15, 1. This is again Jesus talking. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, um, we talked a little about this passage back um, 
in May, May of 2016. You can go back and listen to that if you'd like. Um, but the thing that's interesting about this is if, if you have trees in your yard, you understand. If a limb dies, if it's crispy, then you just cut it off because it's dead, right? There's no reason to leave it. It's, it's not beneficial for the tree. It actually will hinder and stunt the growth of the tree to some degree. So it's better to take a dead limb off the tree. And so this is what Jesus is describing. He said, hey, if, if you say you're attached to the trunk and you're attached to the body of Christ, but you're dead. So you talk a good game, but there's no fruit in your life. Then what he says is you're going to be cut off and thrown in the fire. And that's a metaphor for hell, by the way. I know hell is not a very popular topic in churches now, but that's what he's talking about. So he says, you're going to be cut off. He's going to take that branch away. And you think, well, that's great because if I'm doing good, then I got smooth sailing, right? But that's not what he says. He goes on to say, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Like, I don't like that very much. Do you? Does anybody like pruning in our lives? I don't. I like comfort, right? I, I like to find my happy space and I like to stay there. Um, pruning is really important uh, in a botanical sense for a couple reasons. Uh, pruning is the targeted removal of diseased, damaged, dead, non-productive, structurally unsound, or other, uh, otherwise unwanted tissue from the tree. It's the junk in the tree. It's the dead. It's the, the stuff that's worthless. The pruning gets rid of that. And the reason, beard hair, <laughs> nasty. I wasn't going to deal the rest of the night with that. No, thank you. <laughs> and the reason pruning is important is this. Uh, you prune a tree to remove dead wood, shape the tree, so you help direct its growth when you prune the tree. Um, it also improves and maintains the health of the tree. And then the last thing is it improves the harvest or the yield of the tree. So if a tree, a tree is a fruit-bearing tree, when you prune it correctly, it'll, it'll cause it to have more fruit. Um, now, when we look at this, we go, if I'm fruitful, shouldn't Jesus just leave me alone? That's what we want. But, but Jesus' goal is not our comfort. Um, <laughs> contrary to what we hear sometimes, God's number one purpose for you is not comfort. It's fruitfulness. That's what he wants. And so sometimes we're producing fruit in our lives and we feel pretty good about ourselves. And we go, man, I'm doing good. I'm going to church. I even uh, shared with my neighbor. I didn't tell him about Jesus, but I invited him to church. And so we feel good about some of the things that are going on in our lives. And God goes, that's pretty good. But you know what? I got some bad news for you. You, you got some dead wood we got to cut out. Go, no, 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 but I'm doing good. And God goes, but you can do better. Yeah, you got, you got some fruit, but man, you could be so much more fruitful if we would Cut this out of your life. Maybe there's a friendship or a relationship that needs to be pruned and removed. Maybe there's a habit that needs to be taken out. Maybe there's a belief that, that is causing us to grow in an unhealthy way. And he goes, I'm going to redirect that growth. And I'm going to cut this out. I'm going to prune some things from you. And that is painful. I've said before, um, my dad will prune the trees when my mom's away because he will cut them up, man. I mean, he will whack them. It's like Edward Scissorhands on the trees. Uh, so he'll wait till she's out of town before he prunes the trees because she's like, no, just leave it, right? And a lot of us are that way. We go, oh, just leave it, Jesus. Leave me alone. I'm just, I'm happy. I'm comfortable. And Jesus is saying, but I want you to be fruitful. So yes, you, you, 
You're doing a good job, but that's not good enough. I want you to bear fruit. I want you to bear much fruit. So even though we're healthy, even though we're growing, that's not enough for Jesus. He wants to challenge us even more. He wants us to grow even more. And as a result, there's times that he's going to prune us. And usually it's not comfortable. Typically, it's not the stuff we want pruned. It's the stuff we fight about. But that's not a problem. And we don't see it as a problem. But he sees what we don't see because our Heavenly Father is the vine dresser, right? So we have to submit ourselves to the pruning process and be okay with it. Because at the end of the day, it's not enough to say we believe something. It's not enough to say the right thing. It is about what we do, and that's what our branches are. It's us reaching out. It's, number one, us reaching out to God and saying, God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. Even in our daily life, even as Christians, we continue to reach out to God every single day. Um, I, I don't want to be confusing when I say this, but one of the most important parts of a growing Christian's life is confession and repentance. And it's not the initial confession we have with the Lord whenever we come to salvation, but it's a daily confession of our continued need for him in our lives. It's a daily confession of uh, my own wickedness and my own desires and my own selfishness that I'm asking him, God, I need some help. You got to prune some areas of my heart. And I don't like it, and it's not comfortable, but I need your help. It's confession and repentance. And the repentance is that part where we go, okay, this is my attitude, or this is my belief, or this is my action. This is something I've been doing, and I'm, I'm going to repent of it. And that means we turn the opposite direction. So I'm not going to face that way anymore. It's not even that I'm going to stop moving that direction, but I'm going to turn and go in the opposite direction. That's what confession and repentance is. And that's part of the pruning process in our lives. Because at the end of the day, it's not just about what we say, it's about what we do. That's our actions. There's a passage in Titus, and that's probably not a book of the Bible you read a lot, but Titus chapter 1 verse 16 says this. Listen to this. This is so telling. It says, They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They're detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. He's not talking about the world. He's talking about Christians. He's talking about people in the church that talk a good game. They know the right things to say. When the worship hits that one point, that's when you raise your hand, right? Like, I know the game. I know how it's played. And if, if you know, there's a key, something happens in the music, then you raise both hands. Or maybe you raise it just a little bit higher, right? He knows all of that stuff. That's who this person, this, this is talking about in Titus. It's talking about the person that knows all the right things to say, but it doesn't matter what they say because their works reveal what's going on in their heart. So what do we see? We see that our actions matter, that it is a byproduct of our beliefs, and that when we reach out, those branches are important. Um, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But do you know who does? It says, but the one who does the will of my Father is who is in heaven. You know what he's saying? It doesn't matter if they know who I am. I mean, gosh. Social media makes it really easy to know celebrities now. I mean, you don't know celebrities, but you know a lot about them. So you can get on and look at your favorite celebrity. Uh, maybe it's um, Ben Roethlisberger, and maybe he's tweeting pictures about his family, and you can see pictures of his wife and of his kids or whatever it might be, and you feel like you know them. But if you saw them in the street, you went, Ben, Ben, it's me, Mel. I follow you on Twitter, right? Like his security would take you to the ground. 
They would choke you out. When you woke up, you would be in the jail, right? And if he would just respond to one of my letters, I would stop coming into his house, okay? So, right? So we think we know him. And this is what it's talking about. Jesus is saying there's going to come a day when people know a lot about me. And they're going to get to, get to the, the judgment. And they're going to go, hey, hey, Jesus, we know each other. And Jesus is going to go, no, I don't have a relationship with you. You're a Twitter follower, Right? You know me on social media. You know about me, but we don't have any relationship. Because when we're in relationship, it shifts things. It changes things. And this is what he's saying. People who are in relationship with God, it changes what we do. It changes what we say. It changes how we act. So when we're in relationship with Jesus, we don't have to make ourselves do the will of the Father. But what happens is we fall so in love with a beautiful, righteous, holy Jesus that naturally... We begin to do the will of the Father. We don't have to make ourselves. But if we so, if just fall in love with the Christ, it's a game changer for us. So as individuals, it matters what we do because it reveals what we believe. What you do as a dad or as a mom, as a spouse, as a worker, whatever it is, it matters because it reveals what you believe. As a church, what we do matters because it reveals what we believe. We talked last week about some of the beliefs of the church. Um, and we won't get into all that tonight, but the truth is, what we do reveals something about who we are. And we do a lot around here. Um, right now, there's a team of people from the summit that are serving meals at the police station for our police officers. As they are serving this community, as they're trying to protect our community, as they're trying to... Um, just do what they can in, in our neighborhoods right now. It's a tall order. But we've got a team of people there that are serving them hot meals. In fact, the shift started at 11 a.m. and they're going to go into late this evening. People are staying uh, just to serve them meals, just to support them, just to encourage them. That says something about what we believe. What are we doing? We're reaching out. We're, we're trying expose ourselves to as much of Jesus as we possibly can. Just like the tree reaches out so it can maximize its exposure to sunlight, what do we do? We reach out so we can maximize our exposure to Jesus Christ because that's where life happens. That's where life begins in us. That's why you hear people over and over and say, go on a missions trip, find some place to serve. It is not because we're trying to manipulate you, but we understand when you reach out, you're gonna maximize your exposure to Jesus Christ. You're gonna see him work in ways in your life you've never seen before. And all of a sudden you're going to come to life. We see this over and over in people that go on mission trips. They come back and they are lit up. They're excited. And we will tell them, hey, what you experienced on this mission trip, you can experience here. That's God working through you in ministry. That's what that was. That can happen here. So let's get engaged. Let's reach here, not just one week a year in some foreign country. The thing's going on. <laughs> the thing's going on locally. Uh, it's easy to be angry as students, honestly. It's easy to look at um, IU Patties and go, oh, those students, a bunch of pagans, right? Uh, but the truth is, that's exactly right. Last night, I was coming down the steps of my house, 
uh, in, coming down the stairwell, and I saw in the, in the dining room, we've got an, an, a light outside our dining room that's kind of in the side of our yard. It's where no one would be, but it's on motion detection. And so the light flipped on, and I knew there's somebody in my backyard. And so immediately, I mean, I jumped, you know, came off the steps, and I, and I looked out the window, and there was these two guys walking through my yard. And um, I've got enough experience in my house to know that I've got this line of evergreen trees on the east side of my property, and that is a perfect spot for inebriated students to stop for a bathroom break. And so I busted out the door, and with this righteous, holy indignation, I was just reflecting the love of Christ to these two young men, I'm sure. (laughs) I said, can I help you guys with something? And they looked startled, as they probably should have, um, which made me a little happy. (laughs) And they said, oh, no, uh, we're good. And I said, well, what's going on? And they said, oh, we we had to go to the bathroom. At least they were honest about it. And I kindly asked them to refrain from doing that ever again. And I blessed them in the name of Jesus. And they went about their way. And I was angry. And I was frustrated. And I thought, how dare they? This is my house, and this is my yard, and this is my community, and who do these guys think they are? And so this is what I did next. I walked back in the house, and I put on my dark hoodie, and I sat in the backyard, waited for someone else (laughs) to sneak through. I was going to get them. And that wasn't enough because nobody came through, and I wanted to get somebody. So I went to the front of the house. It's right on School Street. Man, there's thousands of kids coming and going. And, and, uh, and you guys know me. You know I'm not scary. But if you don't know me, I kind of look scary. So I got this menacing look on my face and just stood right in front of my house. Students came by. And I just stared them down. <laughs> but while I was standing there, do you know what I saw? Hurting people. And I was so convicted for feeling self-righteous, feeling better than them, feeling like, oh, who do these people think they are? You know what? These students who are acting like pagans, you know why they're acting like that? Because they are. Do you know why they're acting like unbelievers? Because they are unbelievers. Scripture never, scripture never tells the church to um, a- apply Christian principles to unbelievers. So Paul never gets onto the Corinthian church for uh, mistreating unbelievers. He gets onto the Corinthian church for mistreating believers. So they they get in trouble for um, allowing believers to act like unbelievers. And they they get into trouble whenever they don't act like believers. Because he basically says, act like the church. If you're going to be the church, act like the church. But there's also this connotation of, but if they're pagans, how can you expect them to act like the church? I felt so convicted because I was angry, but I was not about to pray. So I just started praying for him. God, give me a burden for this community. Give me a burden for these students because Jesus loves them just as much as he loves me. And, and I just, I had to ask God's forgiveness. And there's moments that I still have to do that. Like when people are double parked in my driveway and I can't get out or whatever. Like those things are frustrating, but that's again where I go, I can't expect them to act like believers. But this is where reaching is important. Where we don't just stay in our little insulated world in our bubble and go, well, somebody needs to do something about that because we're good at talking about things. 
This is where we as the church, and I'm not talking about Summit Church, I'm talking about we as the body of Christ, that we are the church, need to do something. If you gripe and complain, but you don't invest in a college student, I would ask if you really have the right to gripe and complain. Because you know what? There's some great college students at IUP. And just so you know, this is all bonus coverage. This wasn't in my notes, so... So we can talk all we want. At the end of the day, do you know what the campus needs more than anything? It's not more rules. It's, it's oh, I'm hesitant to use this word, but it is a spirit-led revival of God on the campus. That's what we need. It's more rules that are not going to change things. You know what's going to change things? When people are exposed to a Jesus that loves them like crazy. That's what's going to change things. Their, their hearts are going to change. Um. There's a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Again, Paul's talking to the Corinthian church because they're train wreck. They're dumpster fire. They're mess. And he's trying to correct what they're doing. And this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 4.20. He says, For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. He said, You can talk, talk, talk all you want. But if you're not doing anything in the authority of God, what difference does it make? So we can talk about reaching our campus and reaching the university and seeing God move, but if we're not going to do anything about it in the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit, what difference does it make? What's going to happen is next fall, homecoming's going to roll around, and we're going to do the same thing. All oh, these students. We're going to forget about it, and then IU Patties will run next year. We're going to go, all oh, these students. Somebody needs to do something. You're right. Somebody needs to do something. Do you know who that somebody is? Me and you. We need to do something. Let's begin to pray for our campus like never before. Let's begin to build relationships and influence the campus like never before. Let's reach out and expose people to a Jesus that loves them. And when we do that, it'll change everything. I said this earlier. When we maximize our exposure to Jesus, life happens. And I love uh, John 10.10. Jesus said, the thief comes only, his only purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy he said, but I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is just saying, get yourself in proximity to me. Expose yourself to me, and you're going to experience life like never before. It's going to happen, but it happens when we reach out. It happens when we serve others. It happens when we bless others. It happens when we are not focused on ourselves. Just like the tree that doesn't have branches, that just has leaves coming off its trunk, it never really grows. Can I tell you something? I see Christians like that. That they don't reach out. They never serve. They never help. They never give. They never bless. Their Christian life is about them. And as a result, they never develop. They never grow. They're never changed. There's no life that's produced in them. What Jesus wants us to do is reach out. I love what Adam said earlier when we were talking, uh, when he was just talking about, hey, but <laughs> come to Africa. That's pretty bold, right? I love that, that he's just going, come to Africa. Come hang out with us. See what God does. But he said, um, you know, Jesus, one of the things he said was, go and make disciples. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. He said, go. Don't just talk about it. Go. Do something. Let me, let me share a couple of passages with you just to close out. They're not going to be on the screen. If you want to take notes, write them down fast. I'm going to talk fast. Jesus said in Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that was lost. He said, my purpose is to seek and save lost people. If that is Jesus' purpose, why are we living with any other purpose than knowing Jesus and making him known to, to lost people? 
Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 16, it says, and, and he said to them, talking about Jesus, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And if we're not proclaiming the life that comes through Jesus in our lives and how we act and what we say to the world around us, we are falling short of what he's asked us to do. And you're saying, Mel, this kind of sounds crazy. It kind of sounds radical. It absolutely does. Last week we talked about the very first thing that comes from a seed when it's planted is the root that's called the radical. It's the first thing that comes out. God expects us to be radical in what we believe. He expects us to be different than the world is. So we got to be sharing the gospel, the good news, our stories. Proverbs 11.30 says this, The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. Matthew 9, 37, 38 says this. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I'm telling you today, in your world, look around you. The harvest is ready to happen. And Jesus is saying, I need some people who will go and collect the harvest. But we make excuses, well, I'm too busy. I don't, it'll be awkward if I have a conversation. I can't go across the street and invite them to church. I can't tell them my story. It'll just be weird. And Jesus' heart is breaking because people all around us are ready for the harvest. But the laborers are too few. See, Jesus is inviting us into an opportunity to reach out into our world, to be the branches off of his trunk, to do something to impact our communities, our neighborhoods, our families. And the question isn't if we should. We absolutely should. The question is, will you? Will you make a choice to, to share your faith in really simple ways? Like I said earlier, it might just be a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus. Maybe it's you come out to an outreach and you help serve. Maybe it's something as simple as I'm going to help spread Easter eggs because we're going to need a lot of help spreading Easter eggs, 50,000 Easter eggs, right? Maybe it's something as simple as that. Whatever it is, what will you do? How will you reach? Not just as a church, but in your own life. Because that's what he's calling us to do. He wants us to reach out. And it's not about what he can get from us. It's about what he can do for us. Because when we reach out and we're maximizing our exposure to Jesus Christ, that's where life happens in us. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you so much. I'm thankful that you love us. That you loved us not just now, but even when we were sinners. Even when we were far from you, even when we were lost, Lord, the Bible tells us that we, were, um, that we were enemies to the cross. So, Lord, I thank you that in spite of that, in spite of the evidence, you sent your son to die for us. Lord, you took action. So thank you for that. I pray that in this place, none of us would be complacent in our walk with you. None of us would be happy with where we're at. But God, let each of us submit ourselves to the vine dresser and let each of us submit ourselves to you so that you can prune us and shape us and make us healthier, make us more fruitful and direct our growth in such a way that we can glorify you with everything we are. And God, it's not gonna be easy. I'm sure it's gonna be painful when areas of our life are cut out or habits or relationships. But God, I pray today we would submit ourselves to you for that work. And God, I pray that we wouldn't overlook opportunities to reach out, to be the branches that you want us to be to share the light and love of Christ with people around us. So God, I pray that you give us a conviction to live that way. Lord, let us fall so in love with you that everything just comes naturally. 
Lord, have your way among us. Speak life into this place, into us tonight. And with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here tonight and you say, Mel, you know what? I'm not really serving Jesus. I'm not really following God. You know, with the whole tree metaphor, I'm not connected to Jesus, but I want to be. I want to experience the life that you're talking about because nothing is happening in me. No life is being produced in me. And I want the life that you're talking about. And the only way that happens is I'm grafted in to Jesus. And I want to experience that. I'm not going to embarrass you or make you come forward, but if that's you and you're here tonight, Would you be bold enough just to raise your hand and say, that's me, pray for me. I want to experience the life that you're talking about tonight, Mel. Is there anybody here you'd say, that's me, pray for me. Raise your hand real high if that's you. All right. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Mel, I'm a Christian. I know I'm going to heaven, but the truth is I'm not. I'm not reaching people like I know I should. I, I, need, I need the Holy Spirit to help me do that. And I want to make a commitment to do that, but I, I need the Holy Spirit to help me. If that's you, would you be bold enough? Put your hand up real high where I can see it, and you can put your hand down. Thanks. Yeah, lots of hands all over the room. All over the room. Thank you. Let me just pray over you. Lord, thank you so much that you're a God that takes action. God, I pray that as your people, we would reflect that to this world. That God, we wouldn't just talk a big game, but God, let our hearts be changed. God, let our beliefs in you lead to action in our own lives. So God, I pray for people in this place that have a friend or a loved one around them, that they've been trying to get up the nerve to invite them to church or to share their faith. God, I pray that this week, the Holy Spirit would open up the right door and they'd be bold enough to step through that door and share their faith, maybe for the first time ever. God, I pray that you'd give them uh, receptive ears to hear what they have to say. And God, I pray that people are gonna be changed because of what's going on in this room right now. Lord, it's gonna be people that may never even step foot in this church, but because of the testimony of people in this room as they share their faith, as they attempt to reach out, God, you're gonna do the work. Your Holy Spirit's gonna draw people and woo people in. So God, I pray for fruit in this place. God, I pray for much fruit as we reach out, as we endeavor to do what you're calling us to do. God, let us not let any obstacle prevent us from doing what you're asking us to do. God, let us not look for excuses or ways out, but God, I pray that you give us a determination to share our faith with boldness and to reach people who are hard to love. So God, have your way among us, God. Let us be the church that you want us to be. Let us be your bride and your people. I love you and I thank you for what you're doing. In your name we pray, amen. Now listen, this is what's gonna happen right now. Todd and the worship team are gonna lead us in one final song. And as they do, um, the the prayer team is gonna come up. They're gonna be on either side of the stage. And if you need prayer for any reason, uh, we believe in the power of prayer in this place. So if you need prayer for any reason, as we begin to sing, step out from your seat and find one of our prayer team members, let them agree with you about whatever may be going on in your life. Uh, Then when we finish singing, uh, in just a moment, Pastor Todd will dismiss us. He'll close us out and then we'll be on our way. But if you need prayer for any reason tonight, make sure you step out. Find one of our prayer team members. Let us agree with you in prayer. So stand to your feet all over the room. We're going to worship together one more time before we go this evening. Um, But guys, I tell you this often, but I, I want you to know, I mean this sincerely. I love you more than you know. And I'm so honored that I get to be your pastor. God bless you.